0: Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did.
1: Welcome back to a special episode of the Generation Church podcast. We decided to take a break in Lord's Day 16 and turn it into two parts.
0: Oh, dude, oh. it's a special episode! <laughs> Jeff has been sitting that We were wondering what you were doing over there, man. I know, man. I've been sitting on that for a minute. It wasn't really that worth it, probably, but that's okay. I wanted to do it. All right. Back to your intro, man. Sorry.
1: pretty sure there's a shock fact that just just went out through the podcast world. Good. (laughs) Anyhow, so uh, back to the intro. We had taken Lord's Day 16. We broke it into two parts. Uh, Today, we'll be focusing on part two uh, in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, where we explore the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism.
0: You know what, man? Nobody knows this. I know nobody knows Joe's here recording, but he's still (laughs) laughing at that stupid trumpet thing. So I'm glad, man, that if nothing else, it made it worth it. Right. Yes. Yes.
1: Absolutely. That was great, man. So do you have a name? uh, Yeah, man. My name is Scotty Hines. Oh, good. All right. I was just checking. Do Uh, I have a name? You do. I believe it's uh, Jeff Luddington. And I believe we're both pastors at a church called Generations Church, where you, I believe, are the lead pastor, correct? Uh,
0: There's rumors about that, yeah. (laughs) So, Hey, we're doing a special episode today. So silly as it may be, it's Thursday. Maybe you got that little ping that says you've got a new podcast. You look down, you're like, hey, man, I thought that was on Tuesday. Here we are. And so uh, we're in the middle of a series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, Right where we're, we're looking at modern connections, and that's, that's really important. And we're looking at a 450-year-old way of teaching, uh, and, and I say that, I should even say it differently. We're looking at a catechism that is 450 years old, a way of teaching that's been around for thousands of years, mm. of so asking a question and giving a memorized answer. It's been a, a discipleship process that's gone on for thousands of years. This particular catechism, the Heidelberg, is 450 years old this part that we're in is actually unpacking the apostles creed and so it's in this it's in the the category of grace so guilt grace gratitude three sections to the catechism we're in the grace part talking about our salvation talking about how jesus has won our salvation for us how he has accomplished that and the last couple the last couple episodes we've talked about things that the that are right out of the right out of the apostles creed that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate that he was crucified died and buried and we've asked questions like well what does suffered mean what does it mean that Jesus died you know why was he yeah, why, why was he is buried? the fact that he's buried why is that important so we've been we've been doing that but this one not only did this you know did week 16 or Lord's Day 16 not only did it have five questions to it which is a lot to tackle but question 44 is this why does the creed add that Jesus descended to hell.
1: Uh, answer, to assure me in times of personal crisis and temptation that Christ, may, Christ my Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul, especially on the cross, but also earlier, has delivered me from the anguish
0: and torment of hell. So if you've listened to our podcast from the beginning, uh, you know I, I've kind of picked a fight with the Apostles' Creed translation that we use. Now, I, I say that meaning this understand the Apostles' Creed, in its final form, came together in the fourth century, so in the, in the 300s, right? So roughly 300 years after Jesus was, uh, you know, alive, dead, you know, crucified, buried, resurrected, you know, so 300 years later, there's this creed that had been repeated, that, the you know, that's attributed to the Apostles, this belief that it came out of the Apostles' teaching that the church had been using. And it, it really debunked some of the issues that people were having in Christianity, like, the Trinity, as an example. The nature of Christ, is he just human? Is he just God? Is he both? Is he half and half? What is he? So, all these things really gave rise to the Apostles' Creed. Excuse me. And the Apostles' Creed, so again, back up 1,700 years, back up 2,000 years. Well, English is not the language it was written in, right? And so... As we look at that, the creed was written in a different language, which means what we have is a translation. Just like the New Testament, primarily these these letters were written in Greek. They were written from you know a person to a church or whatever, and then they were they were captured and put together. Not too long later, they were translated into Latin. Okay, that became very common. Well, then they were translated into German, into English, into French, and all these different things, and so. The Bible we have, we all know, is a translation into our language. In fact, the Hebrew of the Bible, the Chaldee that Daniel was written in, the Greek of the New Testament—all that stuff—they're dead languages. They're not. It's not even the same kind of Hebrew or Greek that's spoken today. There's differences, right? And so, really, these are languages everybody uh, that are, have been lost. So everybody is, everybody studies the Bible in a translation, yeah. okay? You can read the Greek New Testament as it's originally written. You can read a Hebrew you know, Old Old Testament. You can read that, the Jewish folks read that, and, and you can do that. But what we study is a translation. We understand that about the Bible, but we don't understand that about other resources that we use, like the Apostles' Creed, or as an example, the Heidelberg Catechism, yeah. originally written before Germany was formed in a language that's a lot like German. So let's just leave it at okay. It's kind of written in German, yeah. right? <laughs> and <laughs> <pre-German>. so <clears throat> after it's written, it is translated into Latin. And after uh-huh. it's translated into Latin, it's also translated into English. And so there's a lot of translation. Now, mm. God has superintended the translation of Scripture. God has kept His hands incredibly intentionally focused on Scripture. We have promises like that in Scripture, that that God keeps that for us, that, that Scripture is breathed out by god it's given to us it's good for us we can use it for our own training and you know just education and correction and and, you know correcting others correcting ourselves all these things right so god has had his hand on that and i think that god has had his hand on some other documents and some other things that we can use not in the same way we don't give them the same authority but that god has used some resources that humanity has put together it's used it in unique ways. Some books have sold tons of copies of things that have been beneficial to the church. That doesn't make them on par with scripture. It's just that God has used them in a significant spiritual way. Yeah. Well, I think the Heidelberg Catechism is one of those. I think the Apostles' Creed, for sure, is one of those. Yeah, the Apostles' right? Creed has turned into a song, man. A few times. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, lots of people have recorded a song around that. Lots of churches, and if you attend a church today that's maybe a non denominational church or a non uh, liturgical church, uh, you know, or not really a high church kind of approach to worship. Maybe you're unfamiliar with the Apostles' Creed, but most Christians have heard and have repeated the Apostles' Creed in church. It's just good for us to remind ourselves of what we believe. Yeah. I mean, so it's all core elements. Yeah. Yeah. So, all that, again, it answers questions that Christians ask all the time. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's something we should do even more. But yeah. I've picked a fight. It's several weeks ago, uh, months ago, in fact. But I pick a fight with the translation of the Heidelberg Catechism and the Apostles Creed that we use in our tribe, right? And uh, I won't get into all of it, but it's around this line that says Jesus descended to hell. Now, in its original writing, the Apostles Creed doesn't say that, it says he descended to the dead. When it was translated, when the Heidelberg Catechism was written, it used the original translation of that. It says Jesus descended to the dead. Now then we have this English translation that we commonly use. And in the Reformed set, in the Reformed tribes, the, the Reformed theological por- portion of the church, for whatever reason, the, uh, to be fair, let me pause that thought for a second. To be fair, the Reformed the Reform folks, write a lot of the commentaries, a lot of the education comes out of the reform circles, right? Not all of it, but a lot has come out, especially throughout history. The reform circles have given us a lot of education on Scripture. Absolutely, they have. Okay. So, we love that. We love the academia side. We love the theology side. Okay, great. For some reason, coming out of that tribe, I have no idea why we've chosen this translation but if you want to hear more, in fact, if you're listening to this podcast, I'll just give you an aside. If you go back, I don't know, like 10 weeks or 12 weeks or something like that, you go back, and there's a special episode. It came out on a Thursday, just like this one. And it talks about why Jesus didn't go to hell. And I use the words of Jesus on the cross, like uh, telling the the thief next to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. So clearly he's not going to hell. He's going to paradise to be, you know, the thief's going to be with him. On the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. In other words, like, you know, that that whole... That whole statement about the atonement for sin being finished there's lots of things, yeah. right? So we go into all that. Here's the argument I want to pick today, and it's a very unique argument. It's not one we covered before. So I'm going to do this again. I'm going to read the question as it's written in our translation. And Scott, you're going to read me back that answer just like we began with, and then I want to, I want to get there. So why does the creed add he descended to hell?
1: To assure me in times of special crisis and temptation that Christ my Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul, especially on the cross, but also
0: earlier, has delivered me from the anguish and torment of hell. So this question written in English to us, the translation we use typically says, why does the creed add he descended to hell? So first off, I would say it didn't. Originally, and I can make that case. It didn't originally do that. In Latin, it said, he descended to the dead. Now, from the answer, I can actually prove it, if you will. If you guys would just just allow me a minute. So why does the creed add, he descended to, and then it uses the word hell, which I'm going to say it didn't, but if that were true, listen to the answer, and listen how the answer would correct the question. To assume, to assure me, excuse me, to assure me in times of personal crisis and temptation, that Christ my Lord, by, un, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul. Now listen to this. So why do I know this is true? Listen to what it says. That Jesus suffered unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul, especially on the cross, but also earlier. That's what it says. Now this is the Heidelberg Catechism saying that, yeah. right? So let me ask you a question. No matter how brutal a cross is, no matter how brutal a crucifixion is, What's worse, the crucifixion or hell? Oh, uh, you got it go with hell. Okay, I'll take hell. Hell's worse, yeah. right? I, I'll take I, um, hell for a thousand dollars, right? Yes. So, yeah, I mean, like that is for sure torment, right? So for eternity. For eternity. Okay, but even if we're talking about Jesus, if the oh, assumption gotcha. is that Jesus went to hell for three days, yes. if that's the assumption, which I fundamentally say is wrong, yes, because of what Jesus said. Because of the way the Apostles' Creed was originally written, because of the way the Heidelberg Catechism was originally written, we've just embraced a, mis- a, a, a wrong translation. Yeah. If Jesus went to hell for three days, what do you think's worse? On the cross for a day or hell for three days? Wow. I would say on
1: a cross. For a day? Yeah, right? Because, I mean, being in hell for three days, it's two extra days.
0: It's worse, right? Yeah. So hell's worse. <laughs> yeah. So now listen to the answer in the Heidelberg Catechism. Why is this line there is what it's asking. The reason that this line is there in the Apostles' Creed, the Heidelberg Catechism says, to assure me in times of personal crisis and temptation that Christ my Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul, listen, especially on the cross, That's the main... but also earlier, mm. So you mean the assurance comes from his greatest suffering, which was on the cross and earlier, not on the cross and in hell, yeah, not in hell and on the cross, but on the cross and earlier, like when he was flogged or like when he was betrayed by a close friend, like when he was mocked even by his own family, like he just needs sleep, man, he's crazy, or he's this, all that. When he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. When he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Those things assure us. This, this answer to the question, now, this answer to the question, what does it say is this question contradicts that he went to hell, because clearly hell's worse. Right? So here's how the Heidelberg Catechism was originally written. Here's how the Apostles Creed was originally written. That Jesus Christ suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. Right? Mm-hmm. Then it says he descended to the dead. That's the original writing. Now listen, if I wrote, if I use this the original way, why does the creed add, he descended to the dead? Why does the creed add that? Then the answer says, to assure me in times of personal crisis and temptation, that Christ my Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, a terror soul, especially on the cross, but also earlier, has delivered me from the anguish of torment and torment of hell. Like this question doesn't even allow him to go to hell. Yeah. It eliminates him going to hell. Man. And I'll give you an extra. The word in the question 44 is different than the word in answer 44 in the original language. That ought to help you figure it out. Does that make sense? It
1: makes a ton of sense, man. You know, I was thinking, it's, it's, and it's very easy when you start to build um, a theological framework, you know, mm-hmm. your approach to Scripture, and even our great Reformed fathers in the right. faith. It seems like we may have found something that, that uh, we've been taught not to do. And, and let me ask it like this. Do you think they assumed hell because in Latin it says to the dead? And they just translate it is translated dead as people who are dead on the earth. When really, the Bible speaks as us living individuals right now as the dead. Hmm. I mean, because you and I are dead in our trespasses and sins. Sure. So maybe, maybe it was an assumption that our fathers, you know, are in the faith, act, you know, mistakenly just assumed hell.
0: So but in in Latin they didn't. That's the, and so that's the thing that I oh, that I think is interesting. I when this was written in Latin, they didn't assume that. Right, so, so if you're just, looking at the word necros, if you're looking at mortus, right, necros Greek, mortus is Latin. Okay, those are words that mean dead, like mortician, yeah, mortal, okay. mortus, ah, right? That's cool. Necros, like the word necrophilia is the only one I can think of off the <laughs> top of my head, right? But we know what that is. That's people in the dead, right? So, right, you know, necros means dead, mm. dead people. Yeah. Mortus, dead, dead people, right? The word in the that it deals with when it talks about Hades is Hades, right? And that's yeah. just English translates that as Hades. But Gehenna is hell. So there's another word for hell. Mm. And so they took Hades at one point and they flipped it into Gehenna. And they're two different meanings. But even in this case, the creed says that he descended to the necros. In Latin, he descended to the mortus, right? It doesn't even use Hades or Gehenna in this case. Wow. Yeah. And so it just it was one of those assumptions that was picked up Right? It's like Christians say, well, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person, right? You're just like, man, I've heard that over and over again, and that is not the truth. Or the, the other assumption is the, the swing, swinging the
1: pendulum the other way um, God has blessed me, and I have all this good. Well, really?
0: Does that mean your neighbor's no good? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. God didn't bless your neighbor.
1: Yeah. Or the other
0: Christian at church who's yeah, struggling. Right. Who's struggling. Know? Does that mean God doesn't love them? Or doesn't right. bless them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is just, I picked this fight because I want to say this. Jesus didn't go to hell. Yeah. And and not only do I say this, I'm not smarter than the founders of our faith, you know, yeah. but they didn't say that. Yeah. Not smarter than the folks who wrote the Heidelberg, man, they didn't say that either. I I do have some odd things, man. I would love to have an opportunity to talk to some of the academics that embrace this today. Tim Keller, I, is, is a man way smarter than me. Yeah. And he embraced this language when he wrote the New City Catechism and and this translation of it. And I just Listen, I'm not saying this about Tim Keller. I would love to have the conversation. With, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. Love Check my math. See what I think. Here's what I think Scripture says and see what he says. But now, not talking about Keller, but just people, right? I just wonder if this language has crept its way in and nobody's questioned it because they think that's what the original says. Yeah. No, you're probably spot on, man. And, but I like... Man, I like what you did here because you've taken such a...
1: Um, a minute part which would seem like a minute part of our faith and you really put a lot of skin on it and it put it in its proper place because ultimately what we want to do here as pastors is we always want to give people the proper yeah. lens in which to worship our, you know christ yeah. and and i can see the distortion thinking he went to hell that's a lot of contradictions that follow that you know right. what i mean um and then you have all those you know people letting south park and the simpsons define it too and you got the scrawny jesus who's always fist fighting this yoked up satan it's like right. come on man and i believe there was even some Uh, Other preachers that have uh, embraced this doctrine and whatnot, and have had tried to explain this in a fistfight wrestling WWE fashion. I mean, literally, I've (laughs) heard, I've literally heard preachers say that he went down there, wrestled, and took the keys literally off of Satan's waist. Right. It was back in my Bible college days when they would point out those heretics all the time to us. Right. But I do remember hearing that, and I was like, man, that is bizarre. But but what is even but what's what's good about this though, man? It's just a proper. Perspective gives yeah. us a proper approach and a proper response to King Jesus. Go ahead, man, I cut you off.
0: No, 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 we're good, man. I just, here's what I would say. I think it's super important for Christians to always ask questions. Right. To always think critically. Because... The critics of our faith are going to. Yeah. The critics of our faith, if you know, if they're paying attention, they're going to go, well, how, how did Jesus say today you'll be with me in paradise if he's going to hell? like This can't be true, and that's what they're going to say because there's mm. inconsistencies. Your own Apostles' Creed says Jesus went to hell. Well, okay, I don't expect everybody to learn Hebrew, to learn Greek, to learn Latin, to, you know, whatever, to study French so you can read Calvin in his original language. I, I don't want that. But somebody's got to do it. Right? Somebody has to inv- to do this, and we should all be taught to think critically. Yeah. I think when we ask more questions, the Bible, believe me, God and His Word are strong enough for us to ask all the questions we have. Absolutely. Right? And word. if the Bible is what it says it is, and if, the, if God, our God, our Creator is who He says He is, we're f- we should be free to ask those questions, not in an arrogant way. Nope. But we should learn. God says, I want you to worship me with all your heart, with all your soul with all your mind, with all your strength, but we are to worship God with our mind. If that means we ask questions and try and wrestle through answers, we may not get all the answers we want, but we we need to be uh, more serious about our faith and ask these questions. You're spot on, brother. It reminds me of that passage where Paul talks
1: about, um, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but the church believers who study everything, they challenge him. Oh, yeah, the Bereans. The Bereans. Yeah. Man, so we have precedent um, from Paul to ask questions and be like the Bereans and study our faith. Man, uh, I just want to say to everyone who's listening to this episode, thank you so much for your time and listening to the Generation Church podcast. Uh, We release, every Tuesday, we release a new episode of our podcast, Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude. And on Thursday, some special content as well. Uh, If you want, we would love, love a review. So please take the time, write us a review. It helps us grow our platform. And also give it a share. It's
0: something we greatly appreciate. Once again, thank you so much. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G E N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.